passage since, especially if you grew up in the church or grew up in Sunday school, just about everybody learned in some way or another the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I debated on whether going on um, with the sin series or doing something on sanctity of human life. Um, you know, I've preached on sanctity of human life before many times. And, you know, um, from the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and 2, well, chapter 1 and 2 especially, tell us that God loves life and that... Um, Especially human life is, is important to him. And we need to honor that. But this is another aspect of God's um, will and way in our lives. And I think it's important for us to come to an understanding of it. So Exodus chapter 20, I'm going to read those verses to you. The first 21 verses there. The full Ten Commandments. And it says this. And God spoke all these words, saying... I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children uh, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who, who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a, is a Sabbath rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who was within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all these the people saw, now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask God that you would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You now they often say that ignorance is bliss. If I don't know something, I don't have to deal with it. 
It doesn't have to affect my life. It doesn't have to worry me or, or weigh on me or make me feel guilty. Ignorance is bliss. Not knowing something um, to a lot of us is a good thing. And sometimes we, we like to pretend that, that we uh, don't know certain things or, or lack knowledge of certain things. Um, it, and especially, I mean, you see this a lot in children. I mean, your, your, your mother could tell you a hundred times not to touch that lamp or, 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 or go near that lamp. And then all of a sudden, you know, one day you're near it, you bump it, you knock it off and break it. And, and, and pretending ignorance, I didn't know that you said, tell me not to do that, you know, get near that lamp. Sometimes it's, it's even worse than that. Um, I was watching an episode the other day of um, Little House on the Prairie, and, and uh, 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 Laura and her husband um, were keeping his niece and nephew, or not, it's, it, but both his, they were both nephews, they were both boys. And, um, and, and uh, Lonzo is his name, and Lonzo tells them not to do something. And so uh, they, they, they go out into the barn. They, they do the thing he wasn't supposed to do. And he says, I told you boys to stay out of the barn. He said, well, you didn't tell us um, that we couldn't do this particular thing. You know, they, they kept saying, you didn't tell us we, we, that we couldn't do this. And they kept trying to get out of trouble, feigning ignorance of all these things. And that's just typical children. And, and even as adults, sometimes we, we try to get off with the excuse that we didn't know that it was wrong, that this was wrong. We didn't know that this was illegal. Well, officer, I, I, I didn't know that it was 35 miles an hour down, down here in front of the Alamance Hospital. And, uh, you know, um, I, I should uh, therefore get off, you know, um, for, from the speeding ticket. I, I didn't know it was 35. He said, well, it's posted. And um, that, that's sort of the conversation that I had with a cop one day in front of Alamance Hospital a few years ago. And, uh, you know, I said, yeah, I, I didn't know it was 35 down through here. What were you going? I said, well, I was going close to 50. He said, I tell you what, because you were honest with me, I'll knock it down to 45. I said, thank you. <laughs> but sometimes we, we like to feign knowledge in, in, in order to get out of things. We didn't know that it was wrong. And, and the thing about it is, you know, once a law, even in our country and in our laws, our, our laws are out there. There are still laws that have to be followed, and claiming ignorance of the law is, is never an excuse for getting away with something. There, there are still consequences uh, to, to, to facing those things. What's well, the same, same way with God and His law? In fact, I would say our, our justice system, um, when it was conceived, was originally based on a, a lot of things in God's law. Um, but God has given us His law. He's given us His Word. He's given us a revelation of Himself so that we don't have to go around wondering what's right and what's wrong. And, and his, his law, His revelation of His law, defines for us what's right and what's wrong. And, and, he, and he does it in, in, in ten very succinct statements. And, and ten is the number of perfection and completion in the Bible. God has given us the perfect ten to help define sin. He's given us the perfect ten to help define sin. Now, we know the context in which this was given. You know, uh, God promised, you know, we, we, we talked last week about uh, the great flood. God promised Noah and his family that he wouldn't destroy the earth again. And then um, eventually, you know, the same thing happened later on. Sin began to corrupt the world. 
and, uh, and, and, and God separated the world um, by, by confusing their languages because that they were coming together to, to, into pagan worship and, and defiance of God. And so he confused their languages, and so the, the, they couldn't understand each other, so they began moving away, moving off in various places across the world. God scattered them. And, and uh, God's facing that situation again where, where this corruption in the human race has, has gone way too far. But then he finds a man named Abraham. A, a man named Abraham who's, who believed God, believed the words that God told him. So much so that he left his, um, his home, his, his family that, that were living there in southern Babylon and decided to travel to a land that God would show him. God didn't tell him where he was taking him, but God told Abraham, if you go with me, um, I'll, I'll take you to a land where, where, where um, I could be your God and, and, and your people will be my people. That, and that, that if you believe in me and have faith in me, then, then through you all nations will be blessed. And so Abraham, the rest of Genesis is all about the history of Abraham's family. Abraham's family goes down to Egypt to be rescued by, from, from a famine that was going on. And, and, and while they were there in Egypt, Abraham's family multiplied. They became known as the Israelites um, th through, his, uh, through Abraham's grandson Jacob. They, they came to be known as the Israelites. And, and, and uh, you know, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And, and so, but, but, but they had grown so much in number that the Egyptians were afraid of them, so they enslaved Abraham's people, the ones that had promised them themselves to God. And so what, what, what is Exodus all about? The whole Exodus story is about God rescuing His people out of Egypt by sending these ten plagues to, to um, basically annoy Pharaoh to get him to release the Israelites from their captivity. And, and it worked, you know. Uh, and, and the unfortunate thing is, is that Pharaoh was so stubborn that, that the last plague, the death plague, um, the firstborn of the Egyptians were, were killed by the death angel. And, you know, we, we think that that's, that, that's ridiculous and, and awful and, and cruel. But we have to remember that the, the Egyptians had done the same thing to the Israelites for years. Thro throwing their babies into the Nile River, letting the alligators have them. Um, horrific things the Egyptians did to the Israelite people. So much so they cried out to God, and God raised up a man named Moses to lead them out, to be God's representative. And so, you know, God didn't just want um, a person, Abraham. He, he wanted a, a, a human family who was faithful to him, and eventually a human nation that would be faithful to him. And so here in Exodus 20, after God brings them out and he meets with them, he brings them out in miraculous ways, you know, about the Red Sea crossing. We, we watch it every Easter. They, they throw up Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments. <laughs> and you see that, that uh, great scene where they cross the Red Sea. But anyway, they're, they're, they're meeting with God at this mountain. And God is going to give them His covenant, His promises to them. That if uh, they would be obedient to Him, they would be His special people on earth to carry forth His glory to all nations. And that the whole world would be, would be blessed through the Israelite people. And so what God begins doing here is He's like, you know, these, these people have lived in, in, in sin and under paganism for so long, they need to know what sin is. 
And he begins by laying out the terms and conditions. If you want to be in relationship with me, here's the terms and conditions. And he starts off this, these terms and conditions with the Ten Commandments. The, the, these laws were given. And, and, and you know, as you read through the laws, you, you, you begin to notice that the first few laws have to do with being faithful to the God of the universe who brought them out of Egypt. God, God brought them out of Egypt to be His people in a miraculous way. And, and they knew this and they saw this with their own eyes. And then He began revealing to them how they were going to be in relationship with Him. I've talked about it this way before. We talked about how, um, you know, if, if you're a child in an orphanage and you're looking to be adopted, and, and, and finally that day comes and, and, and you're adopted by, by a loving family, one of the first things that you begin to learn about as, as an adopted child into this family is that there are house rules that you have to follow. And those house rules are, are, are meant for the benefit of, of the child to help them to, to be safe and, 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 and not fall into um, any kind of trouble. or you know, the, 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 it, it, it means, when you receive house rules, it means you, you, you're truly part of that family. You, it, you become exclusive to that family. Well, that's, what, that's what the Ten Commandments are. That, that, there are God's exclusive rules for His family. In other words, if you want to be part of this family and, and, and not go off into these, these other areas to, to other gods and other nations, you know, th th these are my exclusive rules. Th these are the things that, 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 that you need to follow. And so he begins by, by talking about faithfulness to himself. He talks about idolatry. Not, not, not making um, false uh, craven or carven images. Especially ones that, that represent uh, trees or, or mountains or rivers or, or animals. Because none of those things are God's. The, the, the people had gone so far away from God. Humanity had gone so far and been so corrupted. That they were looking at the creature and worshiping it rather than the creator. Don't make yourself for yourselves carved images of, of animals or those kinds of things. Or don't, don't do those things to kind of worship, to, to worship anything. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall worship me alone. There are no other gods that, that, that you need to be worshiping. You don't need to make carved, carved images to worship. He says, don't take the, Lord, your, you, the name of the Lord your God in vain. I think that has to do... Um, mostly with offering false worship to God. Sometimes, um, and, and I think it's true too, that, that when we um, use the name of God to kind of uh, slur or curse, um, and, and, and we do that, you know, that the OMG thing, um, that, that's part of what taking God's name in vain is. But I think it also has to do with this offering false worship. You know, I, I, I'm coming on my own pretenses. I, I want something else from God, so I'm going to use His name you know, to, to try to get what I want to manipulate God. One of the things the pagans did was that they kept repeating the name of the God and repeating praises over and over again, thinking that the more times that they repeated, the more they were going to get what they wanted from their God. God says, no, you're not to take my name in vain. You come with me with, with a true heart of worship. You come with me with true intent, and you do it with, 
reverence and awe. And I think it's very fair for God to want exclusive worship because He is the, he is the reality of the universe. This is the, the Creator God is the one true God. He's the only God. The one we call God the Father. The Son and the Holy Spirit are right along with Him. But in the New Testament, when we talk about this, we talk about there, there's a Godhead, a, a God made in three persons, same divine essence, but, but represented in three persons that exist all at the same time. You know, we, we can get into the, the theology part of it if we want to. But God, the God that, that revealed Himself here in the Old Testament was the one true God. And I don't think it's very, very wrong for Him to want them to exclusively worship Him rather than, than going off to other gods. And He says also, honor the Sabbath day and, and by keeping it holy. Setting a day, the, the, the word holy, its primary meaning is to set something apart for you know, whatever God you're worshiping. You're, you're, you're consecrating it. You're setting it apart as a special day of worship for God. All these things have to do with you know, God being exclusively their, their, um, the object of their worship, that their father, that the one who was committed his, his whole life to them, and he wanted them to commit their lives to him in return. A heartfelt, exclusive commitment. And then the other six, you know, they, they naturally flow from, 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 the, um, from the first four. How you treat others. I think it's interesting that in this covenant, God spent more time, or, or He spent more time talking about how you should treat others rather than how you should treat Him and, and worship and honor Him. I think it says something about God. God is not focused on Himself and on His own glory. He doesn't need fame. He doesn't need people worshiping Him. He does it because, you know, He loves us and He wants a relationship with us. And we have to honor Him as we would an authoritarian parent who loves us and expects love in return, but also that involves obedience and following the house rules like we said like you know, there's a reason God is called the father in the in the, in the old testament but what that, but he spends more time talking about how you should treat others and see i think that this this these 10 commandments are not only rules set out by God that they're they're revelations of his character of, of his nature God is singularly focused on them in his heart and in his life, he's fully devoted to, to, to his creation. He wants us to be fully devoted back to him. But, he's, but, but everything is about, with God is about outward. It's about love. It's about not about, but not about self, but about uh, loving these human beings, this creation that he's made. And, 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 and if we're going to live under his house rules, we have to be the same way. We have to not be so focused on myself and what I want and what I need. I need to be focused on others and treating them right. Well, how do you treat others right? Well, first of all, you don't steal from them. You don't take things that belong to them. You don't murder them. 
I notice um, a, lot, a lot of the more modern translations will use the word murder because we're talking about intentional, planned, hateful murder here. We're not just talking about killing animals or, or killing people in war. Um, one of the unfortunate things about the King James Version is that it uses the, it used the word kill. Um, but, but, but the Hebrew, the original Hebrew, has to do with an intentional murder. So a lot of the modern translations will say, you shall not murder. It is, the life that God has created is not to be in our own hands. He says, you know, do not, do not commit adultery. Be, being faithful to your spouse. Why is that? Because if you're faithful to your spouse, it's more likely that you'll be faithful to God. And a person who cannot be faithful in his relationships on earth certainly can't really be faithful to God. At some point, the, the, those two things are intimately connected. So God's perfect law, all of these, do not covet. I mean, uh, you know, stealing and coveting are, are kissing cousins, so to speak. Uh, coveting and, and, and committing um, adultery are also kissing cousins, so to speak. Coveting is, is, is lust. I see something, I want that thing, and by golly, I'm going to take it because I want it. Chasing after the material things of this world, especially things that, that belong to other people, his wife, his possessions. Coveting is, is wrong too, and if we harbor coveting, eventually it might lead to one or the other. You know, whatever we're coveting, you know, we might be interested in our, in our neighbor's wife and try to claim her. Or he might be interested in, in, in his possessions and try to claim those things. All of these things are, are, are focused, these last parts are focused on how we treat other people. We might call it today ethics. And, and God lays out some, some pretty harsh, hard ethics here. And we think, well, these aren't hard. I, 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 I'm never going to kill anybody. I'm not going to steal anything from anyone. That's ridiculous. I, you know, I, I'm never going to, um, uh, to, to bear false witness against my neighbor. Gossip. <laughs> All of these things, you know, um, you know if, if, if you go past and read past Exodus a little bit and get into Leviticus, Leviticus gets into what we call case laws that help, help, help further define those sins. Now, some of those case laws are specific to that time period and, and to Israel, um, but, but I think some you know, carry forward moral principles. I mean, committing adultery, um, that covers a lot of ground. It, it covers, it covers sex, all sexual immorality. And once you get into Leviticus 18, you see that. It covers all forms of, 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 of sexual immorality outside of God's plan for marriage. We'll say that. One man, one woman, married. And that's supposed to be for life. Now I understand it takes two to tango and sometimes divorce happens, but that is not God's plan. We have to remember that. God's plan and His intent for us is, is one man, one woman, married for life. And I think that that's one reason why, why divorce is often so terrible. It, it's, it, it's like rending, rending apart someone. It's like tearing them apart and, 
and it and, it, and it's uh, just like a almost like a death. I've I've seen people go through the same kind of of mourning after a divorce as they do death. Um, it happens, and, and I know it does, and and it's sad when it does. the The New Testament has contingencies for that. If 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 you're a believer and and your spouse is not a believer, Paul says it's okay to let them go, especially if they don't want to remain married to you. He says, don't don't worry about it. You you focus on God. Um, th those kinds of things happen. Of course, when one spouse commits adultery, that, that's also grounds for divorce. But all these things are, are about loving God and, and, and loving others. And, and that's what it boils down to. And, 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 and when Jesus um, later talks about the Ten Commandments, a couple of things that He does, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, is He takes it deeper he says, all these things have their internal source. That's what we've been talking about the last few weeks is the source of sin within us. All these things flow from the corruption that's within the human heart. So when he gives a sermon on the mind, he says, you have heard it was said, do not murder. But I tell you, if you're angry with someone, you've already committed murder in your heart. He says, you have heard it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you look at a woman with lustful intent, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. He's saying that, that, that's, that, that those sinful actions have a source within. And what God wants to do through His covenant and through His people is, is, is to transform them so that they become more like Him to love loving God exclusively because He loves us exclusively, to loving God exclusively and loving others as ourselves. And in fact, Jesus says the two greatest commandments that sum up this definition of the law were to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus came into the world, He was the perfect revelation of the Ten Commandments. By what He preached, by the way that He lived, by His own self-sacrifice, because we'll get into the sacrificial law um, here, here soon, uh, some, some of the reasons, the way that God helped people get past their sins was, was through sacrifices, Jesus makes the ultimate sacrifice of Himself because of His love for His people. Breaks the power of sin and death because He, he, he didn't stay dead, He rose again. So that we can have a cleansing from those, not, not only from the sinful actions, but from the sin within, so that God could commune with us and, 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 and be one with us again. And, 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 and these early days of God's relationship with His people... He defined for us what sin is so that no one can say, I don't know. And the whole world is, is, is thus responsible for, for the knowledge that they have, however small that is, for what knowledge they have, because God has revealed Himself. He has defined for us what sin is. Now, the, the other thing about that the New Testament reminds us of and that the Old Testament shows us unfortunately, is that when sin is defined, all of a sudden we have knowledge, and in our corruption, we, we want to bump up against it. We don't like being told what to do, so when we say do not commit adultery, our tendency is to say, okay, I'm going to commit adultery. <laughs> when, when it says, uh, worship the Lord your God only, it says, yeah, okay, well, I want to go worship another God because I want to. And, and, and there's a sense in when the, that these rules were given to break them. 
So, so on the other hand, you know, on one hand, they're meant to save us, especially if we love God and obey them. On the other hand, they're, they're meant to condemn us when we do break God's law. Because now you know. The, 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 the whole... The, the, I remember the NBC Saturday morning commercials and they'd get all these movie stars out there and then they'd, they'd give some sort of PSA announcement. And there was this little star that would flash across the screen and says, the more you know. <laughs> the more you know. Well, the more you know. You know what God's, what, how God defines sin. You know what God says about what, what is sin. And now you have knowledge and you have responsibility to not, to not live in sin. To put sin off. To, to trust in the work that Christ did because we can't do it in ourselves. Um, the Old Testament proves that out. But, but, but to trust what Christ did on the cross to suffer and die for those sins so that we can have a forgiveness and so that we can have a salvation and so that we can follow God all the way into His glorious kingdom to come. Because as we said, there is a wrath coming against all sin and we need to prepare our hearts so that we can escape that wrath to come. Let's stand.